calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Welcome to The Machine, everybody. I am your host, Mario, along with my co-hosts, Jeff Rowe and Lee. Journey with us into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Mario, with my co-host, Jeff Rowe, out there remote again. He is doing the good deed, uh, delivering this and that. Mr. Truck Driver, how you doing? Good, good. Hey, Mario, how you guys doing? How's everybody out there in podcast land? In podcast land, and everybody is grateful <laughs> for what you are doing, my friend. Uh, well, thank you. I, I, I'm I'm glad I can help everybody out there. Oh, absolutely. Let's uh, you know, let's give a give a hand to our our drivers out there right now because you know, especially the past year, two years of everything coming about. Well, we'll say year. Even before then, of all time, without you guys, we don't have the things that we like, we love, we we use um, on a daily basis as well. So kudos to the truck drivers out there. Uh, this episode, time travel. Time travel. We're going to dig into it a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper with some time travel. Who doesn't like to talk about time travel in some way or form? And how many movies have we seen with time travel? I mean, immediately immediately we talk about time travel i think back to the future right that's that's the one of our childhood is it not i think maybe that movie is the one that uh sparked the the you know interest in, in time travel at least it did for me well now you see for me it just made me want to go out buy delorean and do all kinds of coke <laughs> i mean i wanted a hoverboard but okay okay bad joke all right uh <laughs> So there, when, when we talk about time travel, a lot of people think, oh, well, you're going into the past or you're going into the future. Well, it's a little more difficult than that. It's not just that cut and dry, right? Well, I mean, actually, you know, since Einstein going into the future, uh, we understand that you can do it pretty easily. Now it's just whether or not we can get to the light of speed is the problem. And, and we have actually been able to travel into the future any of the astronauts that got into uh, outer space and then came back actually aged at a slower process or at a slower rate. So, Oh, that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> the, the big question has always been um, the ability to actually go into the past and, and be able to um, retrieve information from the future. So, uh, or even say it's sort of, it's sort of a, somewhat. Yeah. 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 Yeah, alter the timeline. You know, it seems that those are the two uh, quantities that people want to do. They want to be able to uh, reference the future with information, and they want to be able to visit the past. So, uh, are either of those things ever going to be ever ever going to be obtainable? So, let me ask you this before we get into this. You know, some of the seriousness of this. Would you rather go into the past, into the future, both? If so, you know, g- give me your take. What, what would you? Let's say you have a time machine. What are you doing? Uh, this is unfair. Are you asking Jeffro? 
I'm asking Jeffro, my man. I am asking Jeffro. Do you know who you're asking this question to? I because exactly. I would tell you, I would tell you yes. Okay. That's my answer. Because um, in my own self-growth, I actually believe that I exist in the future, present, and past all at once. All right. Let's say you're able to take your <laughs> let's say you're okay, and I would agree with you there, but let's say you're able to take your present consciousness into mm the past or the future you see what i did there for you yes yes okay thank you for clarifying um (laughs) i don't know i think i would like to review the past to see actually the truth behind it uh the future is a beautiful mystery and i'd like to keep it that way okay um okay because once once you know the future then all of a sudden if if it's predetermined if it's something that we don't have free will and we're not skipping parallel universal timelines which people talk about in the grandfather paradox as to whether or not time travel is real um meaning if i know my future then all of a sudden all my free will is gone so but if i were to go into the past and find out the truth behind some of our history you know some of the ancient civilizations and whatnot i'd like to be able to discover some rediscover and and learn the truth about our past so i would say i'd like to go into the past Right. So what if you had the ability to see your future and you say, okay, well, I'm not you know, particularly happy about this. I'm going to go back to my present time and I'm going to change some things so that this predetermined future does not fall out that way. Is that something you would, you know, maybe, maybe kind of like cheat your destiny. That brings the questions of whether or not destiny is, you know, the word destiny says it's something's predetermined. And if it's predetermined, then you lose your free will. So right, at that point, it's already uh, lost. I, I, right. Yeah. So I don't know. If, um, I don't know. I, you're, the basis of your question is, would I like to know something about my future? Right. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think I would. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I would agree with you on the whole history thing. You know, there's so many things that I would just maybe not be able to, you know, even want to interact with. You know, just observe. Yeah, maybe that's... go back, you know, 12,600 years ago or maybe 64,000. Check out the Renaissance. Yeah, see, see what was going on during those times or, you know, maybe even, you know, the, the Egyptian times, see what was going on there. I, I mean, maybe there was one thing that I would change about the past. I go back to like when Betty White was in her 20s and, you know, maybe I spent a night or two with her. Uh, <laughs> yeah okay um but anyway make her a real golden girl um right so anyway we 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 just i i had to get some of that out of the way i just had to get some of that out of the way i got you just because we were talking about time travel but uh we're seeing different things um that kind of give way to time travel existing altogether right right well i mean um just the idea of of, for instance uh seeing into the future right or or being able to access information from the future people that's something people are really interested in right because people want to be able to know what numbers to pick for the lottery right or like you were you you know the question you asked me about my future you know asking jeffrey whether jeffrey wants to know the future um and just 
just the postulation of that question has, you know, a lot of people think is ridiculous. But you have people like um, mediums and not mediums, but people who can see the future, you know, uh, psychics, you know, they, they claim they can see into the future. And, and we don't give those people, a, at least the, the public in general, doesn't give those people a lot of credibility. And, you know, I don't know if that's fair. I, I think there, there's a lot of the new science, you know, through consciousness that is actually kind of proving that there is some ability that we have to reach out to the future and maybe if not visit it, at least obtain information from it. Observe it. I'll observe it. And uh, I can slightly prove it if you give me a moment. Ooh, ooh, um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited, yeah. my friend. Um, a, a guy I, I love to uh, reference here, and okay. I'm going to try to – Yes. I just got to ask you before you get into this. Okay. And for our viewers, or, or and for our listeners, not our viewers, because we're, I'm not a camera. Family, <laughs> and, you know, I don't have a face. For Neither am I. Camera, uh, or maybe I do. I don't know. Anyway, do we or will we be needing a DeLorean to be able to travel into the future? No, my friend. Okay. I mean, it'd be nice. That's a pretty nice car, so. A I mean, stainless steel yeah. car. They just don't make them like that anymore. No, no, <laughs> no, they don't. Oh, give Elon Musk a chance. I'm sure he'll come up with a model. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that right. at all. So, you know, a thought experiment here. Just go with me on this. Um, Greg Braden, Dr. Greg Braden is somebody that uh, I enjoy a lot of his information a lot of his research and i heard him talking in in one of his seminars one time and he gave an example and i'm going to paraphrase this because i can't quote it word well, now, for word is this, is this the same Braden that we were talking about through the uh the water episodes we were talking about yes, storing information yes absolutely oh, okay he he's a he's a geologist and he's a yeah. um he's a musician and uh he's got a bunch of other ologists behind his name he's got several several degrees in science um Really Brilliant fascinating mind. character. Yeah, very fascinating character. And he's got several spiritual books out there. Uh, I suggest any of them. Um, I think his most recent book is Transhumanism or something along those lines. Um, but in one of his, one of his talks, he kind of gives an analogy with the ability to possibly be able to project our consciousness into the future. And we talk a lot about our consciousness acting like water you know and going back to the water episodes a lot of things seem to be correlated through the modality of water and um if we could imagine our consciousness as a stream of water okay and in this stream you have boulders you know protruding up through the surface you know breaking the surface and you know it's mostly submerged but you have these big boulders and then these other elements in the stream that are obstacles. Okay. And this stream is an analogy for our consciousness and the stream moving down downstream is an analogy to our timeline. Okay. And these boulders would be analogous to major events that happen. Okay. In our timeline or in, in our life that are dramatic. Okay. Okay. So he postulates that when water is going downstream and it interacts with one of these obstacles, it creates 
what happens when water interacts with a boulder? It goes around it, right? It, it, it can't go through the boulder, so right. it goes around. The water goes separates. around the boulder. Yeah, it, it separates and comes back together on the other side, which is also an example of cloaking. But, you know, that could be something else for, for a different podcast. But when it ends up doing that, it creates a, a bead on the backside of the boulder that wraps around until the backflow releases and it flows seamlessly again in the front of the boulder and continues downstream. What he postulates is that the water that is about to approach the boulder, and again, if, if we're thinking of water as our consciousness and this boulder as an event, say like 9-11 or say um, the death of a loved one or say any tragic event, right? When the water is flowing downstream, there are some molecules in the water that are going to interact with the boulder prior to interacting with the boulder. Hmm. Almost like, a, like okay. the water knows to move. Right, right. Well, what I mean by that is as the water is flowing downstream and it hits this rock, there's going to be a, a, a beam, like a bead, right? A bead of water that's going to sort of build up like a little like a little ring around the back edge of the boulder, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I hope I'm describing this correctly. And as a result of that, the molecules of water that interact with that bead is going to notice the ripple before it hits the boulder. Okay. Right. So what he claims is, or, or what the theory claims, I guess, would be that, those molecules are interacting with the boulder before it hits the boulder because it fills and the ripple and fills that, that build up backup beam or bead of water that's interacting before it goes and flows around the boulder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I'm just trying to put it together and how it, uh, how it's relative to time travel, but I, I assume well, you're about to tell what us. It, Yes, but what it is is if that stream is consciousness, that means those molecules of water are being able to see into the future and interact with an event, which is the boulder, prior to interacting with the event. Oh, okay. Right? The water's flown down, downstream. The water in front of it hits the boulder. It has that little bit of a backup, like right? That little bit of backup water creates a little bit of a wave or a beam or a bead that wraps around. And just a few milliseconds before the water hits the boulder, it's going to hit that beam, which means it's interacting with something that's causing a ripple that it's about to hit. So through consciousness, there's, there's some evidence in nature that if the ripple or the obstacle like the boulder is large enough, there are some people who could tap into that ripple of, fut you know, of future events. I mean, that almost goes, it. yeah, that almost goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, somebody at some point happens to have an intuition, like a bad feeling about something, or, you know, maybe they're just feeling quote unquote lucky. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's a perfect example of that. And, you know, maybe some people are able to tap into those certain frequencies of the ripples of that event in the future. And then 
in the near future and we're able to tap into those you know that's something that people who follow nostradamus's claims uh say that he was able to you know not be able to nail down exact you know uh exact predictions but he was darn near close and he was able to pick up some sort of ripple that was emanating back from the future and he was able to write down those you know quatrains or whatever it was he was writing in his in his uh books and and research and whatnot so yeah. or like you and i were just talking about baba vanga as well all right yeah perfect you go ahead and you explain to the listeners who she is Vangelia Pandiva Gustreva. I know I'm butchering butchering her name. I, I I'm this is another name. long name. Yeah, right. Uh, she was Russian, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Bulgarian Russian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Commonly known as Baba Vanga, and she was uh, an elderly woman. She was born in 1911. Well, she became elderly. She wasn't born elderly, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> um, but she was like a more modern Nostradamus. She made predictions, um, which one, why her name had come up was the 9-11 happening, the the 9-11 attack, Hmm. among many others and many more going into the future. So it it was one of those things where, you know, somebody says something and says, hey, listen, this is going to happen. And I've been, I've been right about this in the past and this in the past and nobody pays attention. They're like, yeah, you were, but come on, now you're talking crazy. And then it happens and everybody goes, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, maybe you're onto something here, you know, kind of like the whole thing with, uh, you know, Sylvia Brown, you remember Sylvia Brown? She was on the Montel show. Yes. Um, we've referenced her before on here. We have, we have And she made the claim that, uh, you know, around, 2020 that there was going to be a virus that was going to go global and be released it was going to be a pandemic and then there would be a second wave and then it would disappear almost instantaneously huh. i don't know if you knew that no i did not yeah so i mean and that's you know again when when these things happen and somebody can point she actually put it in one of her books but somebody can point that out and say hey listen this person had predicted this it raises an eyebrow and that is why I brought up Baba Venga because that happens. You were talking about Nostradamus and I brought up, brought up Baba Venga and some of these people, you know, they're, they're tapped in to these type of things. Right. Right. She doesn't have, she doesn't have the sense of her sense of sight. She was a blind woman. She died in 96, 1996, but she was maybe that had something to do with her in heightened senses. I don't know, but she was so tapped in that she was able to make these predictions. But that, that's where I was going with that. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. Um, and I, I would even give some more sci- actual uh, scientific proof. Uh, I'm sure uh, we might have mentioned this before, but uh, have we ever mentioned on here before about the number gender, uh, the random gen- generator, uh, random, uh, I'm, I'm looking the for The random this number generator? Yes, the random yeah. number generators. Yes, yeah, I, I think um, we I think we've mentioned it. I don't think we've ever delved into it and said exactly what it is or what it means. I think we we gave interest to the origins and tapped lightly on it. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll dive into it just a little bit more. In, in 1988, uh, there was a parapsychology experiment uh, at Princeton University, and it was originally run by a doctor by the name of Roger Nelson. Um, 
and he did a research. Uh, and what they wanted to find out was if there was any um, connection to these uh, consciousness experiments and see, uh, they wanted they wanted to investigate big events in the world and, and capture information to see if there was any anomalies in these random number generators. And what a random number okay. generator is, is it's a generator that put, is put into a Faraday box, right, in a Faraday cage. And this number generator generates numbers ones and zeros, right? And, and, and the thought behind it is if it goes naturally, you know, through the, the number of statistics or, or the, you know, the law of statistics, it should be zeros and ones approximately 50% of the time. It might fluctuate a little bit here and there. Right. And, and the, the key to the number generators is the fact that they postulated that there was a, an ability to consciously change either the zeros or the ones and make either the zeros or the ones happen more frequently than the other. So something right. out of the ordinary changing. Right. Something that was not 50-50 or, or thereabouts, you know, 51-49, 52-48. Okay. Okay. So basically, it didn't really matter whether it was zeros or ones. They just wanted to see if whenever major events happened in the world, if there was some sort of moving of the needle. Okay. Almost like, um, uh, almost like a rector scale, right? You start to feel the trembles yeah, before the actual right, earthquake. Exactly. Right. It's perfect example. Perfect example. Couldn't have said it better myself. So they did this research for, you know, the last 20, 30 years. Right. And they, they found a lot of moments in time. What was it they said here? It was a collaboration of over 100 scientists. And after the Princeton work, it went over to the Noetic Sciences. Uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences started privately funding the research. You know, they were using the random event generators through electro, electro gigagrams, diagrams uh, at 70 different locations all around the globe. Okay, and they electronically flipped the coins 200 times, which was the ones and zeros. And the event that we talk about all the time, right, is 9-11. And what ended up happening with these uh, random generators? random number generators i don't know why that's so difficult for me to say so so this machine uh, this random number generator was it, it was active during this time is what you're telling well, me. It's, it, they turned it on and they've monitored it since the 80s oh so it's been and active it's, for over yes it's been active right okay. and it's not just one it's 70 all over different parts of the globe okay so they because they didn't want it to be you know, well, it's in, it's in a Faraday case, so they shouldn't be interacting with, you know, electromagnetic waves in the environment. But they didn't want to just have one. They have them all placed all over the all over the globe. OK, and uh, I'm going to read this this paragraph real quick. And they uh, they said incredible, incredibly, the GCP, which the uh, generators claims that there was an unexplainable spike in non-random activity four hours before the terrorist attacks on 9-11. At the exact same time, the planes hit and the towers collapsed that day and over the next two days before the number generators settled down. So the activity either 
started hitting a bunch of zeros or a bunch of ones. Okay. And it no longer was a 50 50. It was like, you know, they don't tell us what the exact numbers were, but they just started going crazy four hours before the terrorist attacks. And they didn't calm down until two days later. So it was like a global consciousness felt some sort of ripple in time prior to the event. So time traveling into the future, retrieving information from the future and experiencing that trauma and that global consciousness had experienced that trauma and did not, the random generators didn't go back to 50, 50 for two days later, indicating that there was some sort of uh, global conscious, you know, disturbance. You're, you're telling me that four hours before the nine 11 attack, right? We were experiencing a global anomaly of uh, these machines acting sporadic. Yes. No longer were they generating zeros or ones or, you know, zeros and ones or these coin flips, what they call them at a 50, 50 rate. Almost meaning like statistically mach- that's not possible. Statistically, they should always be generating 50, 50, right. At a 50, 50 rate, whether, you know, again, some variance, but apparently, uh, before I was prior was way, we're, right. We're it started way going off. Crazy. Yeah. We're talking, I've, I've heard other podcasts and I've heard other programs talk about, it was like 80, 20. Wow. Uh, that's not, that's not the information, uh, on this particular article, but yeah, it's like 80, 20, 90, 10. Um, also they found out the Indian ocean tsunami several years ago. These number generators started freaking out 24 hours before the storm hit. And they also predicted the bombing of the American embassy in Africa in August 1998. And it also, another one that they talk about is it responded to Princess Di's death and to her funeral. So the speculation is with these number generators is somehow the global consciousness is affecting what should be random these number generators all of a sudden are not acting random and they happen before the event through the event until the trauma is processed and then it starts to subside so it's a form of time travel basically it's a form of being able to be have some sort of precognition and it's not just a single person it's not just a single group of people it's not a you know community it's not a uh, a state or a country it's a global consciousness that's tapping into this whatever it is you know obviously we don't know exactly what it's tapping into but for whatever reason these number generators are not acting in a statistical manner of 50 50 that's and cr- they just crazy yeah it doesn't make any sense um and it any the there was somewhere that I saw over the last 30 years, they have been able to monitor over three, was it over 300 events, 300 major events, everything from uh, recording dignitaries' deaths to things like the World Cup and soccer, which, you know, us here in America don't think the World Cups are, you know, Super Bowl is our biggest event, but the World Cup is a, a world event. 
Um, so yeah, anytime there's these major events in world history, whether it be, well, we haven't had a world war since 88, but I'm sure the election, I'm sure this, this last November, there was probably this, this article was printed before then. Um, but I'm sure that even probably more than likely if, if this plays out and if this is true, that would mean any major event is not only predictable, but it's predictable prior, which I guess is that, you know, that's the word predictable, but it also continues through the event until the event subsides. Wow. So they can, they can dictate exactly what event they're observing. So, I mean, again, here, here's another possible explanation or a possible example of people actually having the ability to maybe not see the future, but sense the future. Okay. So if that's the case, you know, where in there lies the ability to possibly travel? I mean, again, we're able to access information from the future in that manner. Right. I mean, or at least that's what this is insinuating or this is what it's sort of pointing towards. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is very fascinating. Um, one of the things that uh, I think, you know, like we were talking or you were talking about, uh, you know, having evidence of being able to possibly monitor, you know, what's about to happen or see. Hey, there's something catastrophic about to happen, you know, through a number generator and, and things like that. But, mm. you know, when a lot of people, you know, when they, when they think or they hear time travel, you know, they think going, you know, like taking your physical self, your, right. your, your present, you know, to you would be your, your present consciousness, moving it, you know, throughout the timeline so I, I wonder if that's, if that's a possibility, because I mean, let's talk, let's talk about it. You know, I, I'll go back to an episode of the big bang theory where Sheldon, if you haven't watched the big bang theory, <laughs> watch it. It's, it's, it's a pretty good show, but one of the characters, Sheldon, he says uh, he's got this roommate agreement and uh, in the roommate agreement, he says, if either one of us are alive during the time of time travel, you come back and let us know at this moment. And he just kind of looks around <laughs> like nobody's there. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. That's funny. But, but I think that's, you know, when we talk about time travel, that's one of the things, or if not the main thing that we talk about now, I think what you were talking about gives uh, a headway to that, that time travel, I would say is most certainly possible. Right. Yeah. We'll see baby steps. Right. Right. I mean, at first, we have to have a theory or, or uh, uh, an ability to sort of lay out whether or not it's even viable. Well, the first step would be, uh, is it viable you know, in consciousness? And, now, and then maybe right now it's only information going back and forth. But later on, maybe what you're talking about, and, and I guess the holy grail of time travel, would be to physically, you know, physically go into the future or physically go into the past. Well, and, there's even there's even you know theory, and, and I follow some of this theory. Maybe I, maybe I came up with this. I don't think I came up with this, but okay. So the, the, one of the speculations was some of the inventions that uh, Leonardo da Vinci had come up with, uh, having vehicles. You know, in some of his drawings and some of his blueprints. He had vehicles, right? 
and some of his drawings and blueprints, they were, you know, they were aircraft. Uh, but we're talking right. about the 1600s here, right? And then we'll go right. back even further. Who's to say that humanity in the future didn't mold our past? Who's Possibly. To say, right? Who's to yeah, say absolutely. That, that that didn't happen? To give another outlook is, I don't know if you've seen some of these videos, you <laughs> time travel videos, you can go on YouTube and find any of these things. Um, <laughs> right. They got photos of oh, this guy's clothes is way out of the ordinary. This guy's wearing Ray-Bans, you know, or whatever. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're talking about like the Gettysburg address. Mm-hmm. Okay, or the so, guy has what, like a like a wallet or, or a watch or. Yeah. Is yeah. that, I'm not exactly sure exactly. Well, I, okay. How yeah, about, even, yeah. how about, uh, you know, how about uh, uh, whenever they were ex- excavating in uh, Egypt, I believe it was Egypt. And they found a Rolex embedded into some rock. Oh, yeah. And there's also been archaeological finds of uh, like a Zippo lighter. And I think that was in South Africa. Was okay. Okay. uh, Which is interesting. And we may get into the South Africa connection later on in in some of these podcasts. You know, stay tuned. Um, But yeah, yeah. South Africa has got some very, very interesting archaeological finds. Yeah. Hey, yeah. this is all stuff that you can find online. Anybody who's out there listening <laughs> yes, to absolutely. this right now going, you're, you know, you're nuts, but you can find it. Um, and then you see some of these videos like the Charlie Chaplin video from the, uh, one of his movies in 1928. Uh, you know, this woman goes walking by. It looks like she's holding a cell phone. Cell phone. Yes. And oh, my. Yes. Later on, they say, well, that was an earpiece. Well, if it was an earpiece, why is she holding they didn't even have earpieces back then. No, no. And it, yeah, to because your point, aren't earpieces, exactly. aren't earpieces, you know, um, no, no, they're no. not earpiece. Because no. they had to have wires connected back then, right? Nothing was wireless. So no. an earpiece would be wireless, right? If it was a wire, you'd see the wire if it was an earpiece. Right. So making the claim that it, that it's an earpiece even raises more questions. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, trying to, uh, they're trying to explain the unexplainable because they don't have the ability to imagine magic, right? I mean, if, if you were to describe a cell phone to anybody prior to prior to 1980, you know, prior to them having those big cell phones, they would say, no, that's magic. You know, you try to explain a cell phone to somebody in the 1800s. Huge in the eighties. Right. Cell phones were like, you know, the size of your forearm, man. Right. So I mean, woman's walking by with like this little device. It looks like an iPhone or, or or a Google phone. Yeah. No, that that's, that's a terrible explanation. Again, just, you know, somebody that doesn't want to, just it, it's outside of their paradigm so any explanation is a good explanation instead of just accepting it and being like ah, maybe and yeah. those are people who are extremely closed-minded and you know they just don't upset their apple cart because they like conformity and, and they just They've got everything figured out. Yep, and as long as they've got everything figured out, yeah, as long as they've got everything figured out, they're always right. And um, unfortunately, that's a large scope of people nowadays. You know, no, you know, few people have the sense of awe or wonder. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, all of those examples of, of time travel, I mean, they're fascinating to, to contemplate. It's in, in the small steps that they're taking in, in, in science right now with 
you know, looking at examples of nature and water, um, looking at examples with the number generators. Um, I, I've sort of maybe postulated something myself. So let me ask you something. Um, we think of time as being linear, do we not? You know, past, present, future. We even have, you know, the terminology timeline. If I were to ask you the question, uh, what shape are atoms in? Atoms? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're spheres or circles, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what shapes are planets? Spheres, circle. Spheres. Suns? Yeah, same. Orbits? Yeah. Um, you, you look at nature, you look at something um, like the inside of flowers, you, you got something called the Fibonacci sequence. My, my question to you is what about orbs? everything? Orbs? Yes, absolutely. Uh, cells? Sure. Um, everything in nature. Absolutely everything in nature. We've got balls. We've oh, got I'm sorry. balls. Well, even balls aren't actually round. They're a bunch of tubes. Uh, Wait, what kind of balls wrapped, are you talking wrapped, about, man? Are testicles, are they not? They're a bunch of wound up like yarn. Oh, we are going to need to censor this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. I'm going to have to get a hold of some of the guys at Facebook. I know, right? They're going to fact check me, say your balls aren't round. Well, they wouldn't know anything about balls anyway, but go on. Right. No, <laughs> but my, my question is this. If nothing in nature is linear, why would we think time would be linear? Nothing in our three-dimensional spatial uh, uh, reality that we know of is a straight line from one point to another point. Okay. No, and even so, if it is, you have to cross it over and over again. You go to work every day one way, you come back the other way. Right? Or even if you're traveling, right? you know, let's say you're going west. Eventually, you know, whether it's through air, land, sea, you're going to come back to point A. Right. Right. I mean, I, I just, I have, I have a hard time thinking that time is linear. And one of the famous things about time travel is they talk about how space is like a sheet of paper. And the way to be able to traverse time is to fold the paper, right, and go to the point in time where the other piece of paper is and punch a hole through it, right? And they talk about the wormhole effect. Well, that's if we believe time is linear. And I've often wondered, what if time isn't linear? What if time isn't a straight line? What if time acts like some like like a Fibonacci sequence? It's a natural uh, sequence in nature. Um, I believe it was Plato and the Greeks used the Fibonacci sequence to create their statues and whatnot. Um, and what the Fibonacci sequence is, it's a, a Sequence of numbers, adding the previous number to the next value. So one, okay, is the beginning. And then you take one, and since there's not a previous number prior to one, you take one again. So one and one, one plus one is two. Okay, so you have two. Two plus the previous number gives you the value of three. Okay, so three plus the previous number, which is two, gives you the value of five. And then five plus the previous value, which was three, gives you eight. And it goes so on and so forth. So it's one, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, twenty. Most thirteen plus eight is twenty-one. Hmm. Interesting. 
21. Is that right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. So, and then so on and so forth. And you get 21 plus a 13 is 34. So on and so forth. But those who listen to the water podcast, it's very interesting that the number 21 shows up again in, in some of our research. Um, but it, when, it, when that's charted out in a graph form, you see a slow spiral that continuously gets larger and larger and larger. Okay. So that's the Fibonacci sequence. And you see that in flowers. A good, a real good example of it is in sunflowers. You see a genesis in the middle or origin spot and it slowly spirals out larger and larger and larger. Okay. Now what if time actually flows more in a Fibonacci sequence? Or if you like, uh, maybe like a spiral, like a hypnotic spiral. Okay. Right. See, we talked about this a little bit. I remember in the Mandela effect episode, because we were talking right. about JFK. Right, right. And this actually goes, and then I actually think that's going to play a part in everything as we go along with this time travel thing. Cause, uh, you know, there's some more information I'd like to like to share with everybody. But with this Fibonacci sequence and, and maybe time not being linear, it being more more along the lines of a Fibonacci sequence or a spiral sequence. If that's how the timeline actually progresses, if you need to travel from one point in time to another point in time, you've only got that little gap between the spiral to go ahead and travel. You don't need to bend the flat plane of space-time. You only need to find a way to get between that gap in the middle. And maybe that's something that Tesla was talking about. Maybe you don't have to bend space-time, but you only have to bend maybe information or something along those lines. I don't know. Right? And that actually, I kind of think So like different might, parts of time could actually be parallel. Right. And I actually believe that that could possibly be an explanation for something like deja vu. So if you were to or dreams. So if you were to point the origin and that origin being the beginning of your life. Okay. The germination of your life as a fetus. Okay. And you slowly spiral out at the Fibonacci sequence. Okay. And you're, that's your personal timeline. Okay. And say you plot a point of five years somewhere on one of those points. Okay. Maybe time travel is possible, but only between that linear space and time on that Fibonacci sequence or on that spiral. So, Whenever you asked me earlier, would I want to go to the future or the past? And I said that I actually believe I possibly exist in the past, present, and future. Every time that you – the further you continue outside of the spiral, if you want to interact with the future or the present or, or the past, you can only interact with the past and the future that line up along that linear line that if you were to draw a straight line from the center out. Right. So whenever you get – if you point a uh, spot on the Fibonacci sequence at five, okay, and then you continue to spiral out, and the next time you come around to five, you're further out on the spiral. Now you're age 15. You're experiencing all your different lifetimes along that linear line, and what deja vu possibly could be would be uh, a, a ghost memory of the past and, and a perception of the future. And we experience it as deja vu, like we've been there before, or 
it feels familiar or it feels the same. But what really is going on is our consciousness is traveling in time along that linear path, like as if there was a straight line drawn from the center out. And all those lines that we interact, that line would interact with, we could be experiencing at the same time, whether it's in the past or the future. So maybe that's, and like I said, you know, maybe that's something Tesla was talking about. You don't have to flat, you don't have a flat plane of time. And everybody's concept of time right now is that you have to fold it to be able to get to the other side. And the only way to do that is through space time. Maybe you only have to condense gravity or a magnetic field and have it curl up because time isn't linear because nothing else is linear in, in, in nature. So why would a timeline be, I don't know. It's just one of those Jeffro, <laughs> one of those Jeffro thoughts that Jeffroism Jeffroisms, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but it's something, and it's, it's really hard to sort of describe it you know, over an audible format, it would be much easier for me to, to visually show it, but hopefully I, I've been able to describe it accurately enough for people to understand. And, and maybe at the very, you know, maybe if not, it jogs somebody's mind out there and they can elaborate on maybe it jog something in their thought process. They can build up off of, I don't know. Well, it would seem we have, a bit to talk on this subject matter. So we're going to end the podcast here and stay tuned for the second part. We already have it recorded. It is in the midst of being edited and we will have it up for you guys one week from today. All right. So stay tuned.